tonight, attack planned. The president says he will take on Iran. Will he start the war he always wanted to prevent? I said, as the walls close in on this man, I'm worried he's going to get us to war in Iran. Unfortunately, I may have been right. Haley's Hail Mary. Are we really in this country going to have two 80-year-olds running for president? Can she come from behind in her home state of South Carolina? George Will, just back from the Palmetto State with his assessment. Squad scandal. The DOJ investigates Cori Bush for paying her husband hundreds of thousands of dollars for her private security detail. Will she play the race card again? And Chuck, meet Cheech and Chong. I've been smoking since I was born, man. I could smoke anything, man. The Senate Majority Leader wants a pass for dope, but a ban for Zin. Why Schumer's cracking down on the wrong drug. Throw down your window. And we start with breaking news, 7 p.m. here in Washington. The president will return to the White House in just a few hours from fundraising in Florida. It is 3 a.m. in Karbala, Iraq. Actually, you can see what I think is the president's motorcade returning. One of the Shia strongholds where we would expect possible retaliatory strikes against the Iranian militias responsible for killing three and injuring 40 Americans. So far, no reports of explosions in the Middle East. And with that, we welcome you to the fairest show on television. And first tonight, fair has a special meaning tonight because we need to be fair about what's happening in the Middle East. And to do that, we are going to play for you back to back the Biden administration's top officials in their own words, just four months apart. So first, it's the National Security Advisor in September and then the Secretary of State yesterday. And the Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades. We have not seen a situation as, as dangerous as the one we're facing now across the region since at least 1973. All right. A huge change in just four months. Obviously, there was the October 7th attacks. Those were perpetrated by Hamas. This is the map of Iran's sphere of influence, their axis of resistance around the Middle East. And since, it's, we're gonna, since we're either going to bomb some of them, either in Iraq or possibly in Iran, it's important to look at what Iran has built over the past couple of decades. Call them proxies, call them friends, whatever you want to do. Iran built and funded these groups not because Iran believes in the cause. They built it to protect Iran, to protect the Ayatollah and to insulate Iran against a strike by the United States or by Israel. Let's start with the idea that the Iranians, the Ayatollah and the Iran Revolutionary Guard, they only care about themselves. I mean, for, for, if we want to get to brass tacks here, right, these are Shia Arabs, these are Sunni Arabs. They hate each other. Iran doesn't care how many Sunni Arabs die in the name of Allah. Yet the Biden administration looks at Iran as the result of a problem rather than the problem itself. So let's start with the U.S. view of the world. This is how President Biden and his administration appear to view the world. They start with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict going back to the 19, say, 40s, certainly in the modern day into the 
1980s for the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. They believe that if you solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, all of these other problems go away. The hatreds towards the United States goes away. The potential war with Iran goes away. Iran doesn't want a nuclear weapon, on and on. There will be sunshine and honey once you get a two-state solution. If only the Palestinians get a state, goes this worldview, and it's a worldview held by many, then Iran will stop. The Saudis won't be threatened. Peace breaks out upon the Middle East. And to be smart and to be fair, there's a lot of people who think this way. And probably most importantly to understand about this worldview that starts with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, Iran wants you to view the world this way. They want you to focus on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Now we're going to look at the Iran worldview. Iran views the United States as the problem in the Middle East. So they fund militant groups that attack the Israelis. They push suicide bombers. They keep moderate Palestinians from making a deal with Israel. They arm the Houthis that turn the Arab world's poorest country into a hellhole. They obviously want a nuclear weapon. They continue to push Hamas and Hezbollah to attack Israel. Iran wants a return to the Persian Empire. It's two very different views of the Middle East. If you suddenly put Iran in its place, things get better. The Palestinians stop attacking Israel because they don't have the money. The Saudis and the Emiratis are no longer threatened by the Houthis and by the attacks on shipping through the Red Sea, so prices go down. Put Iran in its place and Iraq stabilizes because there's no shadow government in Tehran. If we go back and look here at the Iran proxies, Iran has its tentacles all over the Middle East. So either Iran is the problem or this little area right here is the problem. Two completely different worldviews, as explained on MSNBC this morning by Joe Scarborough and David Ignatius. With the Middle East already on fire, the U.S. has had an interest uh, in in seeing a de-escalation of conflict rather who set, than further who, who, escalation. Who has set the Middle East on fire since uh, October the 7th? It's Iran setting the, the, the region on fire. It, this is all directed back to Tehran. So they've set the Middle East on fire. Don't we put it out? So, again, you may have intelligence that the Biden administration doesn't, but the evidence that Iran has directed Hamas's attacks, uh, I'm, not, I'm not aware of it. So Ignatius is an important voice. He represents the D.C. cocktail party foreign policy view of the Middle East. In fact, he wrote a piece in the Washington Post this a.m. Biden calibrates his response as a slow motion crisis arrives. This actually isn't a slow motion crisis. It is a completely predictable situation. Iran's proxies launched, and we have a scroll of all of them, 158 attacks on American troops in four months. 158. Everybody feared Americans would die at some point. The attacks aren't a response to the Israel-Hamas war, right? Ignatius' worldview says all of these groups that are armed and funded by Iran act totally separately. Iran never tells them what to do. But the fact of the matter is that the Hamas attack on Israel has allowed Iran to flex its muscle. It allows them to cause trouble which is exactly what Iran wants to do. It wants the world focused on all of these proxies so they can embarrass the United States. Here's President Biden today. 
Nobody wants a wider war in the Middle East, except for Iran. The Biden administration believes, and this is basically their idea here, that a proportional response, somehow going after the proxies in Iraq in exactly the right way, a response against Iraq, not against Iran, can limit the risk of escalation. In reality, Iran's going to gladly trade the lives of its proxies and up the ante. They don't care if these people die or any of these people die, or the Houthis down in Yemen die. They want to continue to embarrass the United States. The only thing that will stop Iran's proxies is imposing a meaningful price on Iran so they cut off the funding and the support for all of these other organizations. Iran fears an attack on Iran. Think about this guy, Hossam Salmani. He is the now head of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard, the IRGC. He's the guy who funds and travels and commands all of the axis of resistance. We exploited the Ayatollah's fears of a force-on-force conflict. We pierced Iran's shield when we killed his former boss, Qasem Soleimani. And then Iran stopped. Until you do that, until you make them in Tehran fear an American response, then Iran continues to allow its proxies to attack the United States, which brings us back to Karbala in Iraq, the Shia Muslim stronghold. And so far, no response now from the United States. We start tonight with retired Air Force Brigadier General Bob Spaulding, former White House National Security Council Senior Director for Planning. General, it's good to have you. Thank you. Um, just in terms of what's going on in the Situation Room right now um, at the White House, we went through that list of 160 attacks on, on U.S. service members by Iran's proxies. Are we to believe that in, in the past few months the National Security Council hasn't developed a menu, for lack of a better term, for the president to say, okay, Americans died, I want option A, M, and Q. No, I'm sure they've been um, uh, explaining this to all of their uh, departments and agencies. They want options. They want economic options. They want diplomatic options. They want military options. No, they've gone over this backwards and forwards, I guarantee you. I, 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 I haven't seen as accurate a portrayal of policy misdecisions as you just laid out. And I think it's absolutely correct. The only thing I would add is there is extreme uh, anger and hatred between the Persians and the Arabs. You know, and the way that the Trump administration was dealing with that was choking the Iranians and then getting the Arabs and the Israelis to essentially come together. I would add one other thing, and that is the Chinese are supporting Iranians. And so just like you said, I think we need to work on how do we strangle economically and financially the Iranian leadership, and in particular those in the leadership, their personal assets. We need to start thinking about how we expose them to losses. Again, so I, I, this is what is confusing me, right? We had three Americans die uh, on Sunday. Uh, it's now Tuesday overnight in the Middle East. You're talking about 48 hours. I'm wondering what the explanation is from somebody who's been in the room, who's been in the situation room, what's the explanation for this taking so long? Well, you know, I, here's uh, something that was interesting, and this happened during the Trump administration. You hear a lot of these same policy recommenda- recommendations in Washington, D.C., and it doesn't matter if it's the left or the right. Everybody kind of thinks the same. And then they'd come in and they'd recommend something really crazy, and the, and the president would say, hey, 
we're not going to do that. And it really caused the, the, the whole D.C. You know, national security foreign policy group to, to really stop and take pause. So I think that's not going on here in the Biden administration. It's basically the standard, the same stuff that you got in the Obama administration, but go before that. Same in the Bush administration. It doesn't matter if it's Republican or Democrat. You're going to get the same stuff. And it's along the lines of what you just said, just a misunderstanding of the region. List of warnings to Iran. So these are warnings to Iran after the attack. Right now, U.S. forces in the Middle East. So we've got a lot of assets uh, when we want to respond. October 10th, October 24th, November 4th, January 3rd, January 13th. There was also the line uh, from Jake Sullivan where he said that there would be severe consequences uh, to Iran. What is the Iranians' view? When you were in the National Security Council and you guys were putting together plans, what in your mind did you all view the Iranians as viewing as severe consequences? Well, I mean, I think you brought it up. Striking Qasem Soleimani really woke them up that they were vulnerable, personally vulnerable. And I think that's the only way, quite frankly, you speak to the Iranian regime. They really don't care about a lot of things. But, and quite frankly... We don't do a good job of analyzing what are the things that we care about. We did this during the Kosovo war. We were 45 days into the war, and, and uh, President Clinton said, hey, we're not going to send in ground troops, so you better figure it out. And we actually pulled together a team and looked at what do the leaders that support Milosevic value, and then we started taking those things away. So we can do this. We have the ability to do it. We just don't. Well, uh, that. That may be the point, I think, in terms of uh, in terms of the order and the will uh, by the president to take those risks. General, it's good to see you. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate it. When the bombs do start falling, we'll uh, we'll be back to you uh, if that happens tonight. With us now, Michael Howen, uh, Philip H. Knight Chair in Defense Strategy at the Brookings Institute, just wrote a piece uh, that I think is worth pulling up uh, f- about you, in which you said basically you'd say that there's nothing remarkable about President Biden's foreign policy, but you'd give him solid marks. And I'm wondering, as we go back, um, how we square this, that you've got 160 attacks against U.S. troops, uh, we went through the worldview, and what is solid about the Biden administration's response? Yeah, thanks. Nice to be on. Well, this was an overall assessment coming into 2024 at the three-year mark of their foreign policy globally. So what I tried to do was to criticize them where I thought they were wrong, and for example, the withdrawal from Afghanistan, which I criticized at the time and now, but on Russia and China, which I think are the two more important issues because of their capabilities, their ability to threaten us with nuclear weapons. I think overall Biden's handled those two problems fairly well. And in the piece, I even say where I think he's essentially continued certain policies that were begun under President Trump. So this was not meant to be a partisan criticism. Uh, There are some places where Biden faced all new challenges, whole new challenges, other places where there was a continuity. Uh, But my overall assessment is if you sort of weight China and Russia more than other issues, I think that on balance, you wind up with a reasonably solid performance because those are the places where our very survival can be threatened. Fair enough in terms of the the scale of of how conflicts can get out out of control and out of hand. We can do whatever we want to the Iranians. Um, Russia and China have a, a whole different level of strategic capabilities. Uh, Bob Gates, uh, former uh, Secretary of Defense, also under 
President uh, Obama, thus Vice President Biden. I think he's been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades. And Gates was always seen as a both nonpartisan and a pretty fair-minded guy. This would be my question. I feel like at every point, the Biden administration, and to a certain extent the Obama administration, Biden administration in particular, is always worried about the escalation, right? Didn't want to give more weapons to Ukraine, fear of escalation. Don't want to attack uh, the Iranian proxies or Iran itself, fear of escalation. Always talking about we don't want to escalate, we don't want to escalate, we don't want to escalate. Why? Yeah, well, it's a good question. And I think, by the way, Gates's comment, and I respect him a great deal myself, that was about 10 years ago. And a lot of it was coming out of the debates about Iraq and Afghanistan at that time. So I think that's the general context in which uh, Secretary Gates made those comments. You are certainly right to say that when there's been a new threshold crossed by Iran, we have to be willing to cross new thresholds ourselves. And so uh, I'm with you on that. The fear of escalation cannot be the only driving consideration because we have to establish our own credibility. And so there are competing concerns. I would point out that Iran does not attack the United States homeland, that Iran has limited its attacks on American interests in the region, except through proxy. That's very bad. Iran's a horrible regime. But there is a certain amount of restraint they've shown so far. The question yeah, is, I know, I, 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 hold on, I, I, well, forgive me to interrupt you just with some breaking news. Right. Houthi attack in the Red Sea uh, shot down by the USS Gravely. That's one of the Navy ships that would be down uh, in this area right at the bottom of the yeah. map. Uh, and this would have been happening a couple of hours ago. Iranian-backed Houthi militias fired one anti-ship missile from Houthi-controlled Yemen towards the Red Sea. The missile was shot down. You, may, you seem to make a distinction between... Iran and its proxies. Why? Well, no, I think you're right to assume that anything the proxies do, Iran needs to be accountable for. What I'm suggesting, I wrote a piece today in which I laid out some possible kinds of attack options for tonight. And they may not be that far off from what you were discussing with the general just a minute ago. For example, I talked about how you could perhaps go after oil infrastructure. And what you could say to Iran is, we can cause a little damage right now, or a moderate amount, and we can cause more. Because what you have to think about is what's Iran's next move and how do you deprive them of the advantage of being able to escalate against us within a certain realm of attack uh, in a way that we don't easily respond to. So what I'd like to do is attack in a way where it's clear that we could escalate further in that same direction. That could be a couple of headquarters of the IRGC. It could be oil infrastructure, uh, but it should be something meaningful. And I agree with your point. This cannot be only about restraining ourselves. Uh, Michael O'Hanlon, um, Hanlon, pardon me, uh, fascinating no conversation. Thank you. We'd love to have you uh, in studio sometime to continue it with the maps as well. We'll see you soon. Coming Anytime. up next, Nikki Haley continues to slam Donald Trump and Joe Biden over their age and mental fitness. Can she run a general election campaign 30 points behind in the primary? And the DOJ investigates defund the police enthusiast Cori Bush over her security detail. Can she play the race card? to get out of jail free. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. 
Tired of late night politics? Excuse me if I just want to laugh just a little. Stay up all evening with Antenna TV and enjoy your favorite classic sitcoms. Designing Women. You're kidding. Oh, they stole my heart. Becker. Check out the Hippocratic Oath. It doesn't mention nice. Wings. I'm laughing already. Classic comedy all day, all night on... Two types of Robitussin cough syrups are being pulled from store shelves due to microbial contamination. Robitussin Honey CF Max Day Adult and Robitussin Honey CF Max Nighttime Adult. Health regulators say it can pose a threat to people with a compromised immune system. If you're a parent, you know the high cost of child care. A new report from Care.com shows nearly half of families participating in a survey spend $18,000 a year on child care, 20% of parents spend more than $36,000, more than the average cost of a year of college. Doom scrolling appears to be the latest social media scourge. It's the habit of seeking out bad news or terrifying videos on the Internet. Mental health experts say it can lead to a dangerous downward spiral affecting mental health, as well as rob viewers of a good night's sleep. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. You're listening to News Nation, America's independent source for unbiased news. To get News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com. This is The Making of America from the Jefferson Media Group. Once it was learned that Nazi Germany has succeeded in splitting the atom, Albert Einstein urged President Roosevelt to establish an atomic research center, and the game of catching up began. With the theory now a proven fact, massive amounts of dollars began flowing into the venture, codenamed the Manhattan Project. When America's first nuclear weapon, Little Boy, was detonated, the light of a thousand suns turned night into day for 200 miles in every direction. Homes some 100 miles from the blast site had their windows blown out, and a mushroom-shaped cloud climbed 40,000 feet into the sky. The world had entered the nuclear age. This has been The Making of America. I'm Michael Emerson, and you can visit us at jeffersonmediagroup.com. I see you finally got a new helmet. I did. Bought it cheap online. (laughs) Follow me. We'll turn off here. I'm right behind you. Watch the cars. They can be crazy. Was this young man hit by a car? Yes, and his helmet is smashed. It's a brand new helmet. It's probably a fake. Fakes cause real harm. You're smart. Buy smart. Brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. I need some extra money. Do I qualify for the earned income tax credit? Use the EITC Assistant Tool. With just a little information, this tool helps you calculate eligibility with ease and accuracy. Get an estimate of how much credit you qualify for and get a printout of your results before you prepare your return or visit your tax preparer. To use the EITC Assistant Tool and see if you're eligible to claim the credit, visit irs.gov EITC. This country going to have two 80-year-olds running for president? It is a fact that when you are their age, you have mental decline. All right, Nikki Haley this morning, latest polling in South Carolina shows her more than 30 points behind Donald Trump ahead of the contest there in about three weeks. News Nation contributor, Pulitzer Prize winning columnist George Will 
just got back from meeting with Haley. His new piece in the Washington Post, Haley is the last candle fending off darkness, and she's fired up. George Will with us now. Uh, you think she was talking about you too, past 80? <laughs> I told her I'm older than Biden. And what was her response? She laughed. Yeah, well, you're not running for president, so this I guess there you go. Uh, okay, she's fired up. Is that enough? It wasn't enough in Iowa or New Hampshire. No, but she's now going to spend four weeks pointing out something interesting to South Carolina voters. That is that Biden and Trump are in complete agreement on one thing. They both want Trump to secure the nomination quickly. And she's going to ask South Carolina voters, say, why do you suppose is that? And why won't he debate me? The answer is he's afraid. What's he afraid? He's afraid of her. He, she gets under his skin, and she enjoys getting under his skin. And she hopes to cause him to lose his composure, as he tends to do when up against a, a, a strong, articulate, unfazed woman. Uh, Clifford Asness, uh, donor to Nikki Haley as well as very successful investor. It was venture capital, speaking of his investment in Nikki Haley. High probability of waste, small probability of saving the country. I don't think it was a zero probability. She's in New York right now. She's got to get a war chest if she's going to take on Donald Trump. Not just in South Carolina, where I think reasonable people can agree she's going to have a hard time. But at some point, she's got to win a state. That's how you get the nomination. Is she going to be able to get the money and then dot, 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 what state is she going to win? Hopefully, they think they can win South Carolina. If, you get, if she's 30 points behind Leland, she has to well, take 15 away from him, and you close the gap. Okay. Uh, delusion is not a trait we want in a president. <laughs> no, but grit and gallantry is. And we want a president who says, everyone says I'm wrong. Everyone says I can't do it. Watch. Now, she, you're quite right. She does have to win something. But she also, there's a reason to stay in this all the way to the convention because something might happen. It might happen in a courtroom. There might be what journalists rather mincingly say, an actuarial event. Something might happen. Why not? Why not stay and see what happens? Look, everyone would have said 1992 to Bill Clinton when he announced, I, like, what, some southern governor who'd been voted out and gave a terrible speech at the convention four years ahead of time, on and on and on. This would be my question, though, in terms of when you, when you sit with her. Um, is there any part of your analysis here, and I must ask, that is not rose-colored in its glasses, but hopeful in its glasses, in that you fear both what would happen if Donald Trump was president, and you also fear that he might lose. I don't know which one you fear more. <laughs> Him being president. Okay. Easy question. Now, there's no question, I suppose, that the, the wish can be the father of our thoughts occasionally. And no one is saying, she's not saying, that the odds are in her favor. She's saying, I can change the odds. Now, no one gave Harry Truman the slightest chance when the campaign began in the fall of 1948. He won. This, well, the newspaper this, didn't give him a chance on election night either. If we exactly right. The famous Dewey defeats Truman. I think this is interesting because she's making such a point about age. <clears throat> and it can cut two ways because the Republican electorate, especially the Republican primary electorate, is overwhelmingly old. And I say that um, with respect because there's a lot of old people I like, you, my parents included in this. Pew Research, 57% of Democrats are over 50. 70% of Republicans are over 50. Uh, is there a risk in telling old people that you're too old? 
old people know this. Old people know that they age. Old people know lots of people who are old who have this problem. And they know that when Donald Trump says Joe Biden might get us into World War II, there's something wrong there. Well, and Donald Trump has had a few of his own, his own issues as well, as has Joe Biden. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. Thank you very much. Coming up next, President Biden hands Republicans a political gift at the southern border, and yet Republicans keep screwing it up. Why then? President Day on the White House lawn saying he's doing everything he can to stop the national crisis at the southern border. But to be fair, that's categorically untrue. As House Speaker Mike Johnson lays out, Biden has the presidential authority to do an awful lot. Restrict entry, expedited removal, discretionary and mandatory detention. The list goes on and on. He could reverse the 80 or so executive orders he signed at the beginning of his administration to make it easier for people to come here illegally. But rather than hammer on those points, Governor Greg Abbott, other Republicans, insist on doing their own thing. Down at the southern border, Governor Abbott is continuing to put up razor wire to try and keep illegal immigrants out. The wire covers a mere fraction of the otherwise open border. I think reasonable people could agree there's a lot of, well, media stunt, publicity stunt part of putting up razor wire. Governor Abbott has 25 other governors who support him, including New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, who joins us now. Uh, good to see you, sir. Thank you. This is what I can't figure out. Uh, re- Republicans never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. You've got Democrats who've had this huge crisis, and then you give them this gift of, we're going to put up razor wire and get in a fight with the Supreme Court. Well, look, it. it We'll support Governor Abbott and, and whatever he can do at this point, because the, the federal government has completely failed in, in their ability and willingness to do it. And as you pointed out, Joe Biden could, could change that today. I mean, when I visited the border, the Border Patrol agents will tell you very directly, this is strictly a policy change. That is why we have record numbers coming over the last three years. Uh, they're four or five times what we've, we saw in, in recent history. So this is all policy driven. Biden doesn't need any more executive power. He has the power to do it. And the power is follow the law. Like, this isn't hard. The no, most amazing you get, part of this is it's not complex. It's not complex. No, it's not. No, it's not. You, you get no argument from me on this uh, in, term, in terms of what President Biden could do and what the law, frankly, requires him to do and requires his DHS secretary to do. That's but right. I'm just thinking about the I'm thinking about the politics of it, which is in the in the media. And you know that there's members of the media who's not fair. And you've got Governor Abbott, who it's, it's a valiant fight. I get it. But at the same time, putting up razor wire for 10 miles is not going to really stop anybody from coming over. The cartels are going to use other places. So instead, you, you allow the media to focus on Governor Abbott and Republicans defying the Supreme Court and putting up razor wire. Why? Yeah, so a couple of things. 
what you have is these access points that are being completely abused. Eagle Pass is obviously one of them. We know all yeah. about it. Hundreds of thousands of people have, have used Eagle Pass. So by, by using, by using uh, barriers, razor wire, you know, walls, whatever it might be, you can force the issue to certain pinch points where you can then have your resources, uh, the National Guard deployed, the Border Patrol more active in certain areas. Uh, I mean, I had my National Guard down there helping in Texas for a, little, for a little while. A lot of states were helping out there. But you kind of force the issue into areas that are much more manageable as opposed to 2,000 miles of you know, complete chaos. So that's really what no, it look, is. There's I, I, parts of the river that just aren't yeah. passable. There are parts that are. No, I, I get that. I've been down on the border as well. We could sit here and argue about whether... Um, if you you put people into pinch points, if if they're going to come across anyway, and the border patrol is going to follow the president's direction and let them out, but a different yeah. different issue. I, w- I want to get your feeling on this because you're about as pragmatic as they get, and I think also um, much more policy driven than partisan driven. It's one of the reasons people like you and you're so popular um, in New Hampshire. There is this discussion about letting great. Good be the enemy of perfect. Republicans want to hold out, say, for perfect. Donald Trump has been pushing them to hold out for that in order to make this a campaign wedge issue. Where do do you think it's worth Republicans compromising on these issues and giving Democrats some of what they want? Republicans get some of what they want. Or is it better for Republicans to hold out and, and gamble in November? Look, I think a lot of people would agree that the southern border is one of the biggest national security issues, maybe the biggest national Mm -hmm. security issue we have. Any progress that can be made is worthwhile. The issue I have is no one really knows what this bill out of the Senate is going to look like. I've heard some some theories about what it's going to be and some terrible provisions in there. If I'm the House of Representatives and I say, well, this bill is dead on arrival, well, take the bill and fix it, right? Make amendments. That's the process. You don't just say no. You make amendments and send it back to the Senate. And you, you, that's the legislative process. Remember the old, I'm just a bill, you know, in the 1970s? You know, Schoolhouse Rock, we all learned how the process works. I said I don't miss the 1970s, Governor, but... Um, <laughs> but, but the point is you can you they can amend the bill they can make changes they can find uh ways to get certain parts of it done so i just don't like anybody in washington saying it's dead on arrival or we're not doing it or joe biden saying i can't do it it's all i can't i can't pointing fingers at each other everyone in america wants this to move forward you know you were up here in the first of the nation primary and the number one poll issue as folks left the ballot box they were polled. They said the number one issue is the southern border. So I don't care what party you're from. You better start getting something done. Joe Biden better start doing his job. And if I may, this is why I love Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley was a governor. She doesn't take the BS. She gets stuff done. She doesn't accept excuses. This is exactly why I love the fact that so many folks are galvanizing behind Nikki Haley, because she doesn't put up with any of this. She just gets the job done. All right. Fair enough. Um, Governor, thank you as always for coming on. We enjoyed seeing you up in New Hampshire and uh, traveling your beautiful state. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Coming up next, one of President Biden's strongest allies says Trump's winning style points with black voters. Even Snoop Dogg's talking about his love for Trump. Biden's Achilles heel when we come back. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Every moment counts if you're at risk or living with lung cancer. 
and anyone with lungs can get lung cancer. It causes more cancer deaths than breast, colon, and prostate combined. And while there may be moments where you question your next step, through it all, GoTo for Lung Cancer is here for you. We are your community. For screening, treatment, and survivorship support, GoTo is your go-to. Confronting lung cancer starts here. Visit goto.org. We got out of Washington State, and I think a week after, state went on lockdown for COVID. So then when we transitioned to Texas, it was very much so like, what are we going to do now? Operation Homefront has allowed our family to make something of ourselves again in the world after military. It's completely changed the way our life is. It took us from a hopeless situation, and now we're homeowners. We have a savings account. I'm the first one to own a home out of my siblings. Visit OperationHomefront.org to learn more. Many medicines used to treat colds and flu contain acetaminophen, a pain reliever and fever reducer found in hundreds of over-the-counter and prescription medicines. But taking too much acetaminophen can damage your liver. To learn more, visit fda.gov slash otcpaininfo. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Food and Drug Administration. Substance use disorder and addiction is so isolating. And so as a black woman in recovery, hope must be loud. It grows louder when you ask for help and you're vulnerable. It is the thread that lets you know that no matter what happens, you will be okay. When we learn the power of hope, recovery is possible. Find out how at startwithhope.com. Brought to you by the National Council for Mental Wellbeing, Shatterproof, and the Ad Council. Pass it on. Here's a short quiz. Who won Best Actress last year? Who won the World Series two years ago? And finally, name your favorite teacher. Now, I'm guessing that the last question was the easiest. Why is that? Because that person made a difference in your life. So, go ahead and make a difference. Because making a difference is in you. Pass it on. From PassItOn.com. Everybody says that they're different and they're going to be better. Big fan of the show. I'm big fan of you, too. I think you stand with integrity, man. I like that about you. But the proof is always in your actions. Sue and I have been watching you for a long time. This is the best you've ever been. I'm willing to do what's hard in order to help. I love you, Chris, and thank you so much for what you do for us. You put out the truth, and that's what we need in this world. Thank you, brother. Go get them. Cuomo, weeknights at 8, 7 central, only on News Nation. You're listening to News Nation on the go. Available 24-7 in the News Nation app. Or just say, Alexa, play News Nation. Kids ask their parents a lot of questions. Why can't people fly? Gravity. Is the moon really made of cheese? Yep, cream cheese. When can I move into a big kid's car seat? Uh... For some questions, parents may not have the answer. But that's okay. They can't know everything. But knowing the right seat for their age and size will help protect them in a car crash. Find out more at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Where do babies come from? Good luck, Dad. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. What kind of help does the IRS have for identity theft victims? If you suspect you're a victim of tax-related identity theft, 
Go to irs.gov slash identity theft to learn how to prevent potential refund fraud and protect your tax account. At the IRS, combating tax-related identity theft is a top priority, and we are committed to prevention, detection, and assisting victims. And we're working with law enforcement to catch the criminals. For more info, go to irs.gov slash identity theft to learn what the IRS is doing to help protect you. When I grow up, I want to be a ballerina. Because dancing makes me happy. I get to entertain people, and nothing makes me feel more like me. PI, a defect of the immune system, affects millions of children. Early and accurate diagnosis and treatment give children like Olivia a chance to achieve their dreams. It takes a great team to put on a show. It also takes a great team of caring people to keep a dream alive. And now my dreams are coming true. For more information, visit the Jeffrey Modell Foundation at infoforpi.org. being a factor in his struggles with young African-American voters. Whether it is his style, substance, or something about Biden, it is just not working with black voters, or as many black voters as it used to. His support of black voters have fallen significantly since the 2020 election. 2020, 87% of the black vote went to President Biden. Now he's polling at 73, 14 points lost over three years. The loss looks even worse for Democrats when you go back to 2012. Back then, President Obama received 92% of the black vote. Mitt Romney, just 2% of that. We bring in political consultant Sir Michael Singleton, former D.C. Democratic Party Chairman Scott Bolton. Gentlemen, it is good to see you. Good to be here. Start yeah. with agreement. Okay. You can both agree that this is a problem for Joe Biden. Yeah. We can't agree to that. We can't agree to that. 14 points I'm down trying here. a year out. <laughs> 14 points down a year out. Obama was 12 to 14 points down in 2012 and wound up with 90% of the vote. And so we can't agree on that. But what we can agree to is this snapshot, this snapshot, he is losing black support and black voters. But the question is why? America is not feeling this economy and black people make up a big part of this economy. They're not feeling Biden and have the promises to African-Americans been made and have they been kept? I can think of two that haven't been kept, voting rights mm-hmm. and the George Floyd Criminal uh, Justice Act. Those haven't been um, uh, honored, and that's going to be a real problem so for him to explain. is style or substance? I, mean, I think it's substance. I think there's a real disconnect, Leland, between Democratic elites and the average black person. And I think there's a level of hubris that these people have as it pertains to African-Americans. Well, we've done enough, therefore you should continue to support us. Are you us calling me a Democratic because, elite? Well, I mean, if you fit the bill based on your suit, then I'm... I, I'm, I'm going to say the shirt and the polka dots match it on the tie. That says something. I don't know. Hold on. I'm a community activist. Obama was, too. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> he certainly was. But, but, but I'll just say quickly, Leland, I, I think a lot of black... Americans are realizing for many, many years, 90 plus percent support for the Democratic Party. And that isn't doesn't mean that you'll see a, a huge switchover for Republicans, but it is to say that more black people are being far more critical of the Democratic apparatus than they've ever been. Well, and you've got and you have Snoop Dogg, OK, talking about how much he likes. I never thought I'd say that on the show. I have nothing but love and respect for Donald Trump. Dog, yeah, it says OK, but this I think is interesting. You now for the first time have a real discussion among Republicans about picking an African-American possibly as the VP, that being either Ben Carson or Tim Scott. Would that make you, Scott Bolden, worried? 
Uh, that wouldn't worry me one bit because I don't think African-Americans vote for African-American candidates simply because of the color of their skin. I vote for people who share my values. And if they happen to be black, so be it. And I encourage my community, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, mm -hmm. you vote your values. Because just voting because of the color of someone's skin doesn't mean you're going to get strong leadership, effective leadership, or get policies and legislation passed that are going to improve the quality of life for African Americans in our community. I thought what Scott said at the beginning was interesting, mm -hmm. right? Because he said... Barack Obama was also 14 points down. I yeah, got to go yeah. back and check the math about it, whether it was a year <laughs> out. But let's just assume that's sure, true. Sure. That means there is an opportunity for Republicans. How do there's they capitalize? I mean, there, there's, there's always, always there's But how, how, they, how, never... we, a common theme on this show is Republicans never miss an opportunity to screw it up, okay? Which, which tends I mean, to look, be true. I, I think, Leland, I, I don't think that there is any opportunity with black women in particular. But I do think that there is an opportunity with black men to potentially uh, increase the support at least a percent or two. Uh, I think that's mathematically feasible when you look at certain uh, swing states, particularly with a message surrounded around economic opportunity uh, and prosperity. But it needs to be a message followed behind, here are some real concrete policy positions that if we were to win, uh, we're going to focus on trying to actualize these things so that you can see a real benefit. The problem is we haven't really done that. We, we haven't really addressed the fact that there are more women, generally speaking, getting college degrees than men, more black women than black men. So, so how do you meet that gap in terms of yeah. skills and ability the Democrats to, to, to aren't operate much, in the workforce. But the Democrats, and we've talked about this, aren't much better. Yeah, they, they presume that black folks are going to vote for them, and they're going to get a large percentage. At the same time, when you talk about black men vote an organization that I'm active with and other organizations, they say the Democratic Party doesn't focus on black men. Give me the top three reasons why, the Democrat, why an African-American male, male in urban America should vote for the Democrats. I can give you depth and substance on that, right? But if they're not feeling it, and they don't feel like they're being paid attention, oh, it was to, Joe Biden who got in so much. It was Joe Biden who got in so much trouble, right? When he said, "If you have to wonder if you're going to vote for me or Trump, you're yeah. not black enough, or yeah. you're not black, or yeah. whatever." The, the but, quote was. But, but black on. people aren't voting for Trump no matter what. For example, hold, our colleague. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on one second. I want one other issue that is for the first time that's started to to percolate within the African American community now is foreign policy. Yeah. Interestingly enough, the three mm -hmm. U.S. service members who were killed in Jordan. All, all African-American. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you've got black pastors putting some real pressure on the Biden administration when it comes to their support yeah. of Israel. Why, Sir Michael, is that an issue in the black community? Well, it's an issue for a lot of younger black people in particular. I think it's different for older black people. Scott could mm -hmm. probably attest to that. But I think a lot of black people really sort of see themselves and many of the Palestinians in terms of a racial minority group and the perception that a white majority is sort of putting them in a very dangerous predicament, limiting their ability to freedom and prosperity, as I've seen some activists tweet about our experiences are uniquely tied, as some have stated. So that's why. But if I were Biden, I would be really worried about this Leland in places like Michigan, where, where, that he barely Well, that's with the Muslim, more with the Muslim. Right, right, right. I'm going to give but, you but, the last 15 seconds. Well, I think uh, Schermichael's right about that. Although, Agreement. There we go. There we didn't start it. with it. Finally got there it. We go. yeah, we finally got it. There we go. Finally got it. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you get the butt next time. We got to go. Coming up next, Chuck Schumer and Senate Democrats go all in on legalizing. See, there we go. All in on legalizing pot. But last week, they wanted to regulate Zin nicotine patches, the class divide behind America's elite love of pot and love to hate nicotine. You know the 80s. Oh, yeah. 
neon-colored everything. Shoulder pads like a linebacker. Plutonium powering your DeLorean. The stuff works. Moonwalk <laughs> through the 80s and 90s on Rewind TV. It's a totally outstanding television network that's free, over the air, or on cable. This is a big deal! Your favorite sitcoms from the 80s and 90s are all in one place. Rewind TV. Just go to rewindtv.com and check it out. You can always come up with an excuse for not visiting longtermcare.gov. Oh, I forgot. Game night. After all, who wants to admit that one day they will be, you know, old? Hey, do you see any crow's feet on this face? I don't. But since 70% of older Americans need some kind of long-term care, why not do some free planning now so you can stay in charge? Visit longtermcare.gov and find your own path forward. Farming is dangerous. There's dangers all around us. We go through safety training and try and do these things to make sure accidents don't happen. You don't want to hit a gas pipe because that's your life. The other part of it is if you hit certain things, you're liable for it. Farm Safe 811 starts with you. Always call 811 and wait for any underground lines to be marked. Always keep safety in the back of your mind. Just stay humble. For more information, go to farmsafe811.org. Every child deserves the best teachers, facilities, and academic programs to set them up for success. At Milton Hershey School in Hershey, Pennsylvania, we make that a reality for children from qualifying families who are looking for greater opportunities. Milton Hershey School enrolls students from pre-K through 12th grade from across the United States to live and learn on a beautiful state-of-the-art campus with all costs covered. Are you looking to set your child up for success or know a child who could benefit from Milton Hershey School? Learn more at mhskids.org slash admissions. No matter what, people need what you bring them. But sometimes a choice has to be made. You can make a safe one. Always expect a train. Know that trains can run on any track at any time in either direction. Understand that trains are faster and quieter than you think. You can stop track tragedies. Never try to beat a train. You are more important than your packages. See tracks? Think train. For more information, go to oli.org. You're listening to News Nation, America's fastest growing cable news network, covering a full range of perspectives from across the country. Hi, I'm Dr. Kathleen Eubanks Ming with the American Academy of Family Physicians. Bullies use power, strength, or popularity to hurt others emotionally or physically. And while you can't be with your child all the time, there are ways you can help. If your child encounters a bully, tell them to get to a safe place and tell an adult. You can also show them how to block online bullies. Teach them they can be more than a bystander and that they can help their peers. For more on bullying, visit FamilyDoctor.org or talk with your family physician. Sports allow us to play, learn, and grow. But there's something more important than victory. At the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, we believe every athlete deserves to be safe. Safe from abuse and misconduct on and off the field. We equip athletes, parents, coaches, and others with the right education to recognize, prevent, and respond to harmful behavior. Join the movement to champion respect and end abuse at uscenterforsafesport.org. Many Americans have missed regular dental care in the past few years. It's important to see a dentist twice a year to identify any problems early. Taking care of your oral health helps overall health. Brushing at least twice a day with fluoride toothpaste and flossing daily can help prevent oral health problems. 
For more information, visit hrsa.gov slash oral dash health. For many reasons, one reason, freedom. If people want to use it and it doesn't do harm, like just like Oregon showed, let them do it. That's Chuck Schumer, Senate Majority Leader, talking about legalizing pot. He wants it to be about freedom. While all but three states now allow marijuana in some form, it is still illegal federally. It's listed as a Schedule I drug. New studies show it's far from harmless, as Schumer said. 16 million people report being addicted. Among 52 million Americans, 12 and older, now 52 million Americans say they have used marijuana in the past month. Nearly one-third of users say they can't quit. So it's a real thing, and it's far from deemed totally safe or harmless. Thanks to legalization, potent pot has now been found to cause psychosis, especially in young adults. So it's a real problem. There's some real questions about the unintended consequences of legalizing marijuana something the pro-pot folks don't like talking about. And it's interesting because Schumer's pot advocacy this week comes after a stern warning about nicotine last week. He wants to outlaw or heavily regulate Zin. They are non-tobacco, meaning just the drug form of nicotine pouches that you put in your mouth. Pouch packed with problems, high levels of nicotine. So today I'm delivering a warning to parents So in other words, high levels of nicotine, well, we have a problem. High levels of THC, it's about freedom. And full disclosure, after our story last week about Schumer's Zinn crackdown, I tried Zinn for the first time. It wasn't fun. It turned me as green as Kermit the Frog. And our graphics department has illustrated exactly how I looked on Saturday night. And I know my mother's watching, and I will hear about this after the show, but I feel being honest with the viewers is important. That said, it was my choice, as Chuck Schumer would say. It was freedom, freedom to be stupid. So if marijuana can be a choice, why can't nicotine? We're not talking about tobacco. We're just talking about nicotine, a drug, just like THC. Our guest last week had an answer. There is a sort of illusion that these are massively youth appealing, and that's the reason they come in flavors. But that's not the case at all. With nicotine pouches, only 1.5% of youth have even used them. So it's like a lot of things these days where there's a divide in America. Marijuana is the drug of the elite. Thus, pot shops all over Brooklyn and close to middle schools are just fine with Chuck Schumer. But Zinn packets are all the rage among young white men, including the person who let me try it. Yes, the freedom to be stupid. But those Zinn packets, according to Chuck Schumer, must be stopped. Pot should be legal. We'll see if Schumer gets his way on either front. You can let us know your thoughts about this story and others at warnotes.com. That is our newsletter. Sign up for free. 4 p.m. every day gives you our take on the most important stories of the day. So if you missed the show, you know what we're thinking. You can forward it to your friends. You can also respond on Twitter and Instagram at Leland Vittert. We've gotten a number of them. Ospo, I've been watching at Leland Vittert's show on News Nation. For a few months now, and I like it a lot, I'm just a bit perplexed. Is the Ferris show on television a fact or an opinion? Maybe Chris Cuomo can help me understand. That's the great part about America. It's your choice, whether it is fact or opinion. The difference with us is that we don't exclude any opinions. Cuomo can help you understand a lot. That's why he had the best week of ratings in News Nation history. 
Congratulations to him, who's coming up in about 40 seconds. Barry, in writes from our War Notes email, Ferris Show, why did you pick on Taylor Swift? You know the Swifties won't be happy. At least she earns her money by producing music. Far better product than tossing a football. Barry, uh, you are not alone in your fan of Taylor Swift and defense. We have heard you all, Swifties, and probably the parents and grandparents of Swifties. We're rethinking our position on Taylor Swift, especially considering that her being at the Kansas City Chiefs game made it the most watched NFL championship game ever. We'll have some thoughts on that tomorrow. Here's Chris. Hey, everybody, I'm Chris Cuomo. It's Tuesday. We're live. So what do you say? Let's get after it. We have more pieces of the puzzle in those Kansas City killings. Why aren't I saying Kansas City deaths? Because there's no reason to believe this happened naturally. And the mother of one of the victims says the whole situation has been unnatural. Tonight, she's going to announce some positive news and some insight that we haven't heard into the surviving friend who is not a suspect. Though, we have some video you may want to see showing that's not always been the case. Then, the questions behind this Israeli raid that has gone viral, the video at least. 